0: Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life.
1: Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau and I'm with Morgan Hoxie Pickett, who is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Ghost Block Estate Wines. She is also featured in Wine Country Women Heritage Families. Morgan, thanks so much for being with me today. My pleasure. You are one busy woman. (laughs) Not only are you a newlywed of sorts, two years, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you're also a new mother running this business with your family, and you're just crazy busy.
2: My husband and I are both in the wine industry, and we have a beautiful baby boy um, who's nine months next week, and he's been a dream baby. We got very lucky.
1: Well, you are a Dream woman (laughs) with a dream family. (laughs) That's very true. I feel fortunate to be sitting down with you today. So let's dive right in and give our listeners a crash course in all things Morgan. Great. You work at your family's business, but before you did that, your first, what I believe your first full time job was working in the restaurant Mm -hmm. industry at hillstone restaurants which is kind of at least
2: here in the napa valley we would say that's rutherford grill exactly and that was truly my very first job before i went into the management program with the hillstone restaurant group i was a hostess at rutherford grill oh wow yeah so i got to do um i went down to boarding school in uh, monterey at santa catalina and um in between um school years during the summers, I was a hostess at Rutherford Grill and I loved it. And so I obviously had a great relationship with the Hillstone Restaurant Group and knew how to work it. And I knew the system and um, I went away to University of Denver for college and studied hospitality and business there. And so it was only fitting to continue in the restaurant um, industry. But what was nice about the school was you could kind of as far as hospitality went, you could go hotel or restaurant. And I always wanted to stick to the restaurant path, mainly because of all of the wonderful restaurants we have here in Napa Valley, but also because I didn't want to... I always wanted to be involved in the wine lists and the and serving of the wine and right. all of those things. Um, and enjoy great food. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So hotel wasn't for me, but um, loved the restaurant side. And so when I graduated from... University of Denver, I immediately accepted a position um, through the restaurant management program with Hillstone, and I moved to New York City and worked at the Park Avenue location. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just go right to the top. Yeah. <laughs> Park Avenue. Yeah. So I grew
1: up in Napa Valley, and then she goes to Park Avenue.
2: So, there's... I think I wanted something the polar opposite from Napa <laughs> Valley, right? I think I probably always imagined myself back here. At some point in my life, I never knew when it would be, but um, I was 21 when I graduated and why not go to New York City?
1: Sure. (laughs) Was it fun
2: living there and working there? Yeah, it was a lot of work. I would say it was more work than fun Um, just because you're starting your career and um, they instill a really strong work ethic in you that I appreciated and I had time for it. And so, whether you work six or seven days a week, and it's restaurant hours, so you're working 12 to 14 hours a day, I loved it. I was thriving off of it. Um, Obviously, you get exhausted, and you're sleeping all different times of the day, but um, it taught me a lot, and it was the perfect age to do it at.
1: Well, and you were primarily a restaurant manager, but then later, you became the beverage director, too.
2: I did, yeah. So, um... Hillstone is known for kind of moving you around. Um, and so while I was at Park Avenue for a year, I went to go open a new restaurant for them out in the Hamptons. And so I got to spend a year and a half in East Hampton, opening oh, East Hampton Grill. Such a tough life. I know. It was magical. <laughs> and then I actually moved down to L.A. and worked at the Houston's in Pasadena, which was wonderful. I made lifelong friends, really. And then I moved back to Manhattan and worked at Park Avenue and got the promotion to also um, help with their beverage program in about 8 to 10 other stores on the East Coast. And so I would help the general managers kind of form their wine list because of my background. Right. So let's see.
1: Did that mean that you were putting all your (laughs) friends' wines on those lists?
2: Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) and your family 's wines right it was it was actually a really wonderful um, approachable job for me because hillstone 's lists have always been very um, domestic and mm. and being domestic, you were going to California right you know um, there would be very, very few old world wines on there, which were fun to add to. But I didn't need that knowledge. It was so California-based. Yeah. Um, because really, the beverage director at the time was based here at Rutherford Grill for so many years. So it was fun to bounce ideas off of each other. And um, it, it was such a wonderful transition to what I do now, being in that role. Um, working with a lot of distributors on the buying side versus now, I get to work with distributors as a supplier. Right, So... How did you
1: decide that it was time to leave and come
2: to the yeah. family, family's business? That's a great question. You never really know. But I think I got burnt out a little bit. Um, it was sooner than I wanted to come back. I always felt like I would come back closer to 30 years old. And I came back at 26. 26. But it was it's always all about timing, isn't it? And so I came back actually to take a few months off and kind of regroup because I had worked so hard for five years um, and I kind of talked to a few different people in the wine industry. I kind of thought maybe I'll try the distribution side um maybe I'll work for another winery and see what they do, you know, but it turned out that um. GhostBlock was a one-man team here for many years. Um, He became my mentor and um, guided me into the position I have now. He's since retired, but... um, Okay, who is he? This is Paul Torres. Okay. um, And he was with us for almost 20 years, maybe 16 to 18 years. And he had a very strong background in distribution. And so I got to learn a lot from him um, for about four or five years. It was... again, it was a one man show and we, we wanted to grow our wines. We wanted to grow our brand. And so you need more people to do that. And so he, um, asked my dad, he's like, I think I'd like to hire Morgan. And, um, that's the biggest compliment. I think, um, my dad can hear is somebody else saying, I want to hire your daughter not, (laughs) you need to hire my daughter. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it was great. And, I think the biggest thing for me was while I was learning from him the distribution side of things and selling wine that way, I really wanted to focus on our direct-to-consumer platform, which was very non-existent. And the biggest thing for me was coming from hospitality and coming back to Napa Valley after so many years, the whole experience of what people are expecting when they come to Napa Valley and they visit tasting rooms was not something that we offered here. And so I immediately, my first year, I I hired kind of a, a project manager, a consultant to help feel out this process. What are we going to do? What do we have to change to create more of a hospitable program for us? And did you do that because you didn't want to be the one
1: to tell your father? <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um I think it's more, I think it's, I love roundtable discussions and Mm -hmm. I love everybody's different point of view and perspective. I don't like making such a huge change all on my own with only my mindset.
1: Right. Except that you had some hospitality, some good
2: hospitality experience under your belt. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah. But it was probably good to get some other perspective. Definitely. Buy in.
2: Yeah. And so we had to make a tough decision, which was changing the Napa Wine Company tasting room that was collective. We have this large custom crush facility here in Oakville where a lot of different people can make their wine. And while that's still a concept now, um, it's no longer a collective tasting room. So um, we wanted to create a space where our brands and our family story could shine and really really be told. Um, they were kind it was all hidden behind all the other brands in the room. And it was really just walk up stand-up bar tasting. And so when people come to Napa Valley, they're looking for a view. They're looking for a sit-down experience. They want to know the story, they want to know how you got here, what makes you fifth generation. Right. you know all of these things and it was hard to do that in such a casual setting. Mm-hmm and so and with yeah. other other brands oh exactly right. all the competition here right. yeah exactly and so um It was in 2018 when we changed the concept over and we got a full remodel in 2019. We hired Richard Von Saul, who's local, um, to redo our tasting room. And he did such a wonderful job and really captured what we wanted, which was essentially sticking true to the farming family legacy. And I just kind of call the interior farmer chic. We've got our tractor tire chandeliers, and we've got tractor tire bar stools for the big high tables. He took um, our vineyard stakes from actually the vineyard and herringbone them against the wall. And so the interior is just really kind of spectacular. And and it all comes from, you know, recycled pieces from our ranch. Fabulous. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So a lot of this was done after you came on board. I mean, these are influences that you've yeah. That you've imparted since yeah. you've, you've been the sales and
2: marketing. Yeah. I definitely needed some help with the DTC. Director. So I was lucky to hire a wonderful DTC director, uh, Margaret Moraz. She came over from Flora Springs and she's obviously taken that side of the business to a level I, I didn't know we could achieve so quickly. And so it's been, um, it's been really great.
1: So, You make a couple of different wines here. Um, They have different names, I guess I should say. Why don't we educate our listeners a little bit about that so that should they see them out in the marketplace, they'll know that they're yours. Great. Then we can talk about (laughs) the wine that you poured for us, which is your namesake.
2: (laughs) Perfect. So Ghostblock Estate Wines is our portfolio of brands and we have three brands under that and Ghostblock being one of them. Uh, Elizabeth Rose and Oakville Winery. And kind of the idea behind the portfolio of wines is to highlight all of our estate vineyards. My family has about 650 acres um, planted in Yauntville and Oakville. Um, Still about 75% of the fruit that we grow is sold to other Napa Valley wineries, Um, but we keep the best 25% for our three brands. And so, Out of um, the seven different single vineyards, we really wanted to highlight um, the estate vineyards. So all of our estate fruit, but we've got three different winemakers for the three different brands at three different price points. And so it was really appealing when the portfolio was created um, in the mid-2000s. Ghost Block Cabernet's first vintage was 2004. Oakville Winery's first vintages were 2006. Um, And so really kind of... um, great well-rounded portfolio with all different varietals. I think my family grows 18 different varietals. And so I think we have um in our portfolio about eight to ten different varietals. And so um Block is our most well-known brand. Um it's our four best single vineyards. And what I have in front of us today is the Ghostblock Morgan Lee Vineyard, Sauvignon Blanc. My namesake. Yes, and it's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. This was, um, you know, Elizabeth Rose I didn't get to talk about is my sister's brand. It's her middle name and her husband is our winemaker for Elizabeth Rose. And um, what you do for one daughter, you have to do for the other. And (laughs) so my sister turned 21 first when her brand elizabeth rose was revealed and so i was just waiting for when i turned 21 what's gonna happen (laughs) right and so this is honestly a very special um piece of property um the morgan lee vineyard was renamed on my 21st birthday um it is a 33 acre vineyard that's planted solely to Sauvignon blanc which is my very favorite varietal what got me into loving wine and um it surrounds the family home where i grew up and where my parents still reside
1: It's, it's got a fantastic nose. Yeah. I think it's, it's a,
2: it's not a light wine. Mm -mm, No, you're right about that. And that kind of goes into the winemaking style that we chose to do, um, from the very first vintage. So it's consistent year to year, but we age it eight months surlise. So there's some really nice body Mm -hmm. and richness on the palate, but it's neutral oak. And it's really just the surlise that gives that body, not, not the oak essence. Um, but it's still, it's just a bowl of white peaches and grapefruit it is and it's it's yummy it's delicious that's the absolute perfect description
1: (laughs) and it's just like you said it's got great body it's got a nice weight to it and Mm -hmm. it's it's a fantastic um sauvignon
2: blanc and
1: the just that the nose is just like i
2: could smell Mm. it all day right yeah It's definitely my favorite, but I guess I'm biased. (laughs) Maybe just a tad. Maybe just a tad. Well,
1: thanks so much for sharing that with me. Of course. My pleasure. It's the first time I've tasted it, and it's a true treat for sure. Total case production.
2: Oh, great question. So, Of all your wines. Yeah. yeah. It comes to about 20,000 cases, Mm -hmm. um, which isn't nothing, but... um, is an explosive either. I like to say that each skew is around a thousand cases give or take. Right. Um our um highest volume production are Elizabeth Rose Pinot Noir and our Elizabeth Rose Chocka Block, which is our red blend. Oh. Um we make um between 4000 cases a year of each each of those. Um whole foods actually just picked up elizabeth rose for a national placement last year and so you can find elizabeth rose in almost any whole foods in the country that's amazing very exciting and then um our ghost block estate cabernet which is our most well-known wine um the one that comes from the rock Karen vineyard right across from bricks um is about four thousand cases as well
1: what's the top moment of your career so far
2: well, we kind of talked through um, the the evolution of the tasting room and really bringing hospitality. Yeah,
1: top moment for you, mm.
2: not for the winery.
1: Mm. Something that you're most proud of, an achievement.
2: The taking over um, fully, the sales and marketing division of both distribution and DTC happened in 2000, which is when the pandemic hit. And right. so... You are very unsure of what is going to happen. I think being so um, adaptive and um, just changing our strategy during that time was crucial. Um, Thinking outside the box and really... I don't want to say it was all of my thinking and strategy changes because people were drinking during the pandemic. Right. Wine sales. Thank goodness. Exactly. (laughs) Thank goodness. Uh, Wine sales were, I think, very um, great for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So 2000, um, we beat a record fiscally. Um, 2021, we did even better. And 2022 is showing to be our best year yet. So I am breaking records (laughs) every year since um and i'm i'm very proud of that even though it's really just numbers um but it's something that is is um tangible right it's it's factual and it's there and um it's exciting i think the challenge will become (laughs) keeping it exactly (laughs) it's not gonna last forever so um, um we've had some we've had a good couple well, years back it to back. Is. What yeah. are you talking about, Morgan? <laughs> Let's
1: just hope that you guys don't uh decide to make more and more wine yeah. and then right. it gets harder and harder, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's always that ebb and flow
2: of mm-hmm. the market changes and the consumer wants and the price points and Is the bubble going to burst? And all of those things you're always wondering. um, But running a business, it has its risks. And my dad always says, you know, we're also in agriculture. Mm -hmm. So Mother Nature plays a big role. Right. So You um, can't control that. Yeah. But we've been doing, we've been growing grapes since 1903. Um, We've got the sixth generation coming up. So I think if we've withstood it that long, I think we can keep going. I think so, too. (laughs)
1: Was it inevitable that you'd work for the family business? I mean, did, did you ever entertain another
2: career? I don't think so. No. I, I think it was inevitable. I, In my mind, it was inevitable. And in the sense that there was never any pressure from any family member um, to come back. But I know how the um, third and fourth generation of my family are so happy my sister and I are so involved to continue the legacy Mm -hmm. I think they're just it's it's really remarkable in their eyes um, because you see a lot of other families that have had to sell off or no one's interested or no one's passionate and it's unfortunate for those older generations that's did all the work for so many years and I think for me that's where it came down to the inevitable factor that I saw how hard my dad worked and what the generations before me had done and I can't imagine it not being in existence anymore yeah. in our hands like giving up totally yeah you wouldn't I mean I wouldn't if it was yeah if it,
1: lasted this long right we want to
2: keep it going exactly exactly And and i think both my sister and i feel very strongly about that and now that we are old enough and having our own children We want to continue it for them. Mm -hmm. And who's to say what's going to happen with their generation, but at least we can say we did it and we passed it on to them. And again, I think I want to follow the same kind of method that my mom and dad instilled on us was go spread your wings, go find out what you love and and spend time where you want to spend time. And if you end up back here, all the more better for us, you know? Right, right. I think uh family-owned
1: businesses especially in the wine industry are are the true heart and soul absolutely of the industry and um you know and when you think about it the founders the original founders saw the vision and they were mm-hmm. pioneers and yeah. and look where they are now right, right? so I exactly. think it's uh, super cool I think it's super cool and I applaud you for um wanting to continue to keep the business going absolutely when somebody walks through your tasting room because the tasting room was a big project for you mm-hmm. um what do you hope their takeaway is
2: i want them to feel a sense of family when they walk in and i really think my staff does that i think um the the family story and the history and the legacy is told first and foremost. We want them to sort of feel what it's like to to be us and really buy into the story, not just by our wines, but by our story. You know what I mean? And um, understand the story. Exactly. Exactly. And. I think that the way that we design the tasting room and the way that we design the hospitality experience, um, we also have a vineyard tour, which really is the, the best experience because you get to see our property. We get to drive you around to four of the different single vineyards. And we also have a small golf cart as well, where we can take you back to the vineyard on the estate. But seeing the property because that's where it all started i mean before we owned napa wine company which was purchased in the um, early 90s and before the brands came to life we were just grape growers i mean it all started out in the vineyards and i think that's what we really love to showcase more than anything is this is the soil and this is these are the grapes and these are the vines and so i think that experience is really great um and So the tasting room experience is just um, topped off with the quality of our wines. And then everyone is always so delighted to see the incredible value that is the wines and that, you know, we don't have $250 bottles of wine in our tasting room. So um, I think sometimes people come to us with this story they've never heard of. You know, we don't use our last name on a bottle of wine and so um, they're like wow so much history for a brand that may be somewhat new to the market because it is um, and then the quality that's in the bottle is just they're wow and so I think it's um, the hidden gem
0: learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com
1: well Morgan let's now shift to your personal life what town do
2: you live in, in the Napa Valley? I live in Yachtville. Okay. I live on our Mill Race Vineyard, which I mentioned, um, you know, tucked behind Yacht Mill Road. Okay. But took a step inside your home. What would we see? What's your decorating style? Ah, oh, that's a great question. So, well, <laughs> are, are you, you just really developing now? Um, my husband and I got fortunate enough to move into the family's guest cottage during COVID because it was no longer being used. Right. So, um, it, it came fully furnished, which was furnished by my grandmother and my great aunt who have wonderful style. Oh, good. Oh, <laughs> Gorgeous style. Yeah. Okay. You would think the opposite. <laughs> no. Um, and so we got very lucky, but obviously over the past two and a half years, my husband and I have put in our own furniture and things like that. Um, it's um rustic. We have this beautiful the vocal point of the living room, which is what you walk into is is the fireplace. It's this beautiful stone work fireplace that is huge. You just don't see these fireplaces in homes anymore. And we have one of our longhorn cattle heads over the fireplace. I love it. And so it's a little rustic and um my husband and I are hunters and um so we do have some taxidermy, but we eat everything. We really hunt To eat Um, is kind of a fun fact about us is I don't think I've bought a piece of protein from a grocery store since I've met him. We have a freezer full of fish. He goes to Alaska every year and brings back salmon and halibut. And we have lots of meat and turkey and pheasant. And we have a cute little cocker spaniel who's our bird dog. And so, yeah, that's something we're passionate about. Do you hunt any red meat? Yes. Animals? Yep. Um deer and elk. Okay. Venison's delicious. And my husband goes up to Shasta and goes pig hunting, so we've got pork in the freezer. Yeah. Wow. Very fortunate. You live I off mean, the land. You we guys do. are not gonna go hungry. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. Do you have chickens too? We don't have chickens. And I think we would like our own eggs, but that's what farmers' markets are for. I that's like to true. support the other locals. Okay. Um but yeah, it's um We would like to have chickens, but it's so funny. The um, breeder where we got our Cocker Spaniel for it is, you know, they're, they are trained to hunt birds. And so if you have chickens, it can be a little dicey. Problematic. Yeah.
1: Well, you know,
2: they are kind of messy too. Yeah. yeah, They are. And they're loud. uh... Yeah. So, you know,
1: there's pros and cons. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe it's a blessing. (laughs) I think so. So even though you've got a little one... When you kick back and relax, (laughs) yes, whenever you find time to do that, Mm. I don't know when, (laughs) but um, I'm sure there is moments. I'm sure there's moments. Uh, What kind of music do you like to listen to?
2: Um, My husband and I like country music. And who are some of your favorite artists? Right now, we're listening to a lot of Zach Bryan Um, and Luke Combs is one of our favorites. We saw him at Bottle Rock this year. Who else do we listen to? I like Morgan Wallen, and he doesn't like all the poppy country. He Mm -hmm. likes, you know, we love Chris Stapleton. I don't know who doesn't love that man's voice. But, (laughs) um, yeah, that's playing in the the house a lot. My husband really likes music. And so while we're cooking, we both really enjoy cooking. So we always have some music playing.
1: What's your secret to a great dinner party?
2: Mm, Great question. I feel like my grandmother's been throwing dinner parties for years and years, and she still does, and she's 86 years old. Amazing. Bless her. Yeah. And I've got good jeans. You know, it's the make it ahead. We really like Ina Garten's cookbooks, mm-hmm. and she has a great cookbook that's called Make It Ahead. And if you're throwing a dinner party, using that cookbook is great, because you can make some stuff in the morning. You can make it the night before. And I, I love that. Kind of a little secret cookbook, I guess. Yeah.
1: So I mean, throwing
2: ahead. dinner parties right now with a little one is so difficult, but my husband and I do enjoy entertaining.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree.
2: If you, The more you can make a head so you're not yeah. doing it. Right. And, and our secret there. is he takes care of the grilling and the protein, and I do the sides. And I also think it's fun to not always make it a potluck but if you want to bring appetizers and you want to bring dessert we'll take care of the main you know well that's always some of the work right exactly (laughs) makes it participatory yeah exactly do you have a hobby do you collect anything do you play a sport (sighs) well you hunt yeah I um yeah that's something that my husband and i do together that we enjoy especially with our dog um we belong to wing and barrel in sonoma and so it's very fun to go there I mean, I used to play volleyball. I actually got to coach the Santa Elena Montessori team a couple years ago before I met my husband, before I had children. It was very fun to coach them. Um, but I obviously don't play volleyball anymore. But was a very, very, I was a big fan. Love beach volleyball when it comes to the Olympics. <laughs> I
1: love it. You just, like, keep surprising me. Which leads me to my next question. Mm. Is there something else you can tell me? that people might be surprised to learn do you mm. rappel down mountains do you skydive uh Ugh, did you no. did you do something crazy as a child that most people don't
2: know about <laughs> no I don't think I'm kind of a crazy type but well a lot of people I, I mentioned earlier they didn't know I went to boarding school um, Something that not everybody knows because I don't get to do it as much. But I really went to University of Denver for the snowboarding. I'm a very big snowboarder. And so when I moved, I, I, we didn't have classes on Fridays in Denver. And so you went to the mountains. And you skied Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days a week. And it was amazing. So when I graduated and moved to New York City, I don't think I snowboarded for like five years. Which is just crazy. And then I came back home and I went to Tahoe. A few times and I've been to Sun Valley and, um, is snowboarding any good anywhere else other than Colorado? Uh, It can be, but I think I was pretty spoiled in the Rockies for sure. Yeah. And when
1: was the last time you snowboarded?
2: (sighs) Well, I didn't get to snowboard, uh, this winter because I was pregnant Pregnant. and had a child. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was Park City, Utah. We went with um, my husband's friends who are big skiers, and we had the best time. It was the four of us. And I had never skied Park City, and I loved it. it was but fun. you
1: skied. You didn't snowboard.
2: Oh, no, no, no. They skied, and so does my husband, but I'm on a snowboard. Oh, you did the snowboard. I, yeah, I'm okay. always on a snowboard. I switched over when I was just before – well, I guess I was in high school, just before college – I always went through ski school on skis and I just couldn't pick it up. I was stuck on greens oh. my entire childhood. And I think by my second or third day of snowboard school, when I was, in, I was probably 14 or 15, I was already on blues and blacks. And I just, for some reason, my body likes snowboarding better than skiing. <laughs> Are
1: you a surfer?
2: No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. I surfed once in Hawaii, but you would think I could do it now. yeah absolutely I think we're going to
1: wrap things up now with five quick questions you ready? ready what kind of car do you
2: drive? a Porsche Macan of course you do
1: (laughs) what's your favorite flower?
2: mmm I like lilies Okay. what's the last piece of candy you ate? (sighs) probably (laughs) uh, actually last night I had a C's butterscotch lollipop Okay. Who do you call for advice? <sighs> Depends on what kind of advice. Um, I actually lean on my dad a lot. Um, not only for work advice, of course, but family advice and life, I, you know. But my mom and I are very close. Sometimes it's easier to ask for advice from the same gender. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. And who's one of your favorite actors?
2: I have always loved Julia Roberts and Reese Witherspoon. Okay, I think that's it. (laughs) Morgan, you are
1: fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, Michelle. This
2: has been really fun.
0: Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.